On today's episode, I am going to talk about some new tax laws that are in the Ways and Means Committee, and there's some pretty significant, juicy stuff going on, and I thought I would give you guys an update. So if you are interested in kind of knowing what may be happening soon and could impact your taxes, then this is going to be the episode for you, so listen up. Hey friend, welcome to the Small Business Finance Podcast. Do you want confidence and clarity with your business finances? Do you find yourself up late at night searching for tax deductions, how to track your business finances, or QuickBooks tips? Do you wake up with big ambitious goals, but you end up feeling confused and frustrated because accounting and tax is really boring? Hi, I'm Tiffany. I've heard this so many times from my clients who used to feel this way. They feel overwhelmed about what to do with their numbers and wish they could stop the financial madness. They wanted clarity and the ability to grasp the financial basics to know through cool when they had a question and to stop worrying about owing money to the IRS. But they thought they weren't good with numbers and the overwhelm put them stuck without any solid financial plan until they realized that business systems are the ticket to gaining financial confidence. In this podcast, you will learn step-by-step systems, easy-to-understand financial tips, and mindset transformation so that you will gain financial confidence as an entrepreneur. So dust off your spreadsheet, warm up your coffee, and let's get going. What a lot of people don't realize is that there are always new tax laws that are being put out. There are a ton of tax laws out there. I think there's something like 80 or 90,000 pages of law. I don't remember exactly. A lot, suffice it to say, (laughs) of law out there. Yet they're always adding more to it, which the reality is that's really why our taxes can be extremely complex. And for some people, depending on what you have going on your tax returns, it can be a lot. Honestly, even for most normal people, trying to do their own 1040 and prepare their own tax return, it's a big undertaking. And that's not changing anytime soon because what I'm going to share with you today are some new things coming um, down the pike. And I found them really interesting and I feel like you will too. Um, We'll talk first about HR 3938, which is actually a draft bill that's super important to know. And uh, right now it actually has not been introduced to the floor yet. So it's still working through the process. But a few of the things, uh, particularly for businesses that use research and development, the research and development credit, this is kind of a big deal for those. This would be people who are in IT, any kind of business like that that is developing things. Another one would be medical, so like pharmaceuticals. They're developing new drugs and patents and all sorts of stuff. Honestly, research and development impacts quite a few businesses. Um, A lot of people just don't realize it. I mean, even like oil and gas. I'm in Houston, so oil and gas is big in, in our town, of course. People developing new products like manufacturing companies get research and development credits. So if you're any of those, then all, you know, this is very possible. It's going to impact you, but essentially what this new draft bill says is that they're going to extend the 174 D exception. Uh, basically what that means is that they're going to allow the full expense for the research and development credit versus, um, I believe they were planning to amortize that. And so they're reworking that because honestly, the, the R&D credit change was going to impact a lot of businesses really negatively uh, where they weren't going to get get the credits that they were. And if you think about it, that really bogs down innovation. Research and development credits are intended to give benefit to companies who are innovative. So if you think about it like that, if you are reducing that credit, that means a lot of these companies who are 
putting new products in the market, really trying to innovate, trying to make sure that the products that are coming out of the U.S. are top-notch and high-level, they would no longer be getting that the credit the same way. So this is a really good thing, in my opinion, on extending that 174D exception. And that would actually extend through January 1st, 2026. The other really big change on HR 3938 is related to bonus depreciation. So bonus depreciation uh, was set to lapse January 1st, 22, I believe it was. And so this extension actually pushes it out to also January 1st, 2026, I believe was the date so that you can continue to get 100% bonus depreciation. So there's generally two different types of depreciation. There's section 179 and bonus depreciation, depending on the situation with a tax return and a tax payer. Now there's benefits and pros and cons, I guess, to both. But the extension of that bonus depreciation is a really good thing. Again, it's going to benefit taxpayers who are buying more assets, you know, buying more equipment, buying more vehicles, whatever that looks like so that they can get additional tax deductions. And generally when taxpayers are buying this equipment, they a lot of times are doing it not only for the return on investment so that they are able to continue growing their business, continue to scale, but they also want the tax benefits. So that's a really good thing too. And if you kind of think about it, both of these laws, in my opinion, the thought process behind that is to try to spur more economic growth. So they're extending this so that companies don't stop innovating, they don't stop buying uh, machinery and equipment and assets that can continue to grow their business. They're allowing them to have these credits and this bonus appreciation so that they continue getting these. Um, the other thing that is in this proposed bill, this draft bill, is the removal of certain energy credits. It's fairly complex. There's several different parts in there. Some of them have to do with some verbiage changes to electric vehicles, tightening up what that language was. I mean, in anything legal, it's super important to have it written just right so that it's conveyed in an appropriate way so that People like me who are helping get your tax return done, we're able to understand the intent behind the law and then we're able to help make sure that it's done appropriately. And so there's a lot of that in this bill as well. Hey, real quick, I wanted to pause the show to make sure that you know about the two-day business growth intensive that's coming up July 13th and 14th in Northwest Houston, Texas. You are absolutely going to want to be there. We're going to be talking about business and growth and how you can really up-level your game in so many ways. You'll be around entrepreneurs that are just like you looking to grow their businesses and able to leverage from their own experience and grow your business as a result of those relationships. If you haven't done so, go to war roomhouston.com for all the details. I'll also include a podcast that I did specifically about all the details of what's going to happen at this two-day business growth intensive. So suffice it to say, you are going to want to be there. So go ahead and go to warroomhouston.com now, and we can't wait to see you then. This particular bill, they have been trying to get it through in different phases and different ways for quite some time now. So we'll see if it actually goes through or not. But I found those things really interesting because I think the theme here and uh, and the other packages that I'm going to mention here in just a second is really trying to spur economic growth. I mean, our economy is absolutely depressed right now. Uh, People are paying more for groceries, more for gas, you know, interest rates are through the roof. So, you know, when you're buying a house, the payment is more, um, any kind of credit that you take, those interest rates are higher buying a new vehicle and we're feeling it. 
as an economy. And so um, I think that's really what they're trying to do is push us past this and hopefully it works. So the other thing that I found really interesting as I was kind of doing a little bit of research for this podcast episode is that uh, the GOP has a tax package that is going to put, well, it's going to do a few things, but probably the headliner, I would say, is it's going to put about $4,000 back into American families. So let me back up just a little bit and kind of explain the thought process. So um, I'll kind of read this. So basically, the Ways and Means Committee chair, Jason Smith, he's a Republican out of Missouri, said that the package is a product of his, his panel's field hearings throughout the U.S. this year in which they heard from business owners and other Americans in West Virginia, Oklahoma, New York, and other places. So basically, they went out, they did a whole bunch of meetings, I guess, town halls and things like that. And the people were saying, hey, we need help in these areas. And so basically, what he's saying is that they pull together some critical ideas um, in response to the needs of the voices of the American people. That's what they're saying anyway. (laughs) So it sounds really good on a news station. Anyway, The other thing that the chairman said was that basically what they're doing is that they were building on other tax policies that were enacted by previous Republican committees or Republicans that spurred higher economic growth. Again, they're trying to find the policies, find these things that they can look back and see, oh, this had a really great economic impact. It was a positive economic impact. And they're basically trying to do more of that so that there is relief for working families, for strengthening small businesses. That's uh, the crux of um, our economy as small business. Um, And then growing jobs and protecting American innovation and competitiveness. So that is the theme through all of this. So the first thing is that with this $4,000 that they're putting back into basically middle class pockets, middle and lower class pockets. So essentially 107 million families are going to be eligible for the benefit. And this benefit is for two years. They give you $4,000 for a married filing jointly couple that makes less than $400,000 annually. In tax speak, that would be $400,000 adjusted gross income. I'm assuming it doesn't say that exactly here. Um, Then in case you are familiar with that term, my guess is it would be the adjusted gross income number. Um, Generally, that is the number that they use, but 400 grand uh, for married filing jointly. And then if you're a head of household, it would be $300,000 or less and you would get a $3,000 deduction. It doesn't say it here. I am assuming that those are the only two categories because if you're single, you don't have kids and I think it's for families, but I could be wrong. It, it doesn't say that here. So that is one area that I'm curious about is um, they talk about married filing jointly and they talk about head of household, but there's nothing here specifically for single. So do single people making less than 200000 get $2,000 uh, $2, credit? Maybe. Um, I'm not. I'm not really sure. So moving on to the second piece of this bill that I thought was really interesting. It's actually quite fascinating because as I first read this, I'm like, why would they put this particular thing in this bill? So let me talk through it. So if you've ever been a contractor or if you are a business owner and you have contractors that work for you and you're very familiar with the rules associated with providing a 1099 miscellaneous, it's now a 1099 NAC, non-employment compensation. They changed that at about a year ago. But now instead of it being a $600 or more threshold, which it's been that way forever, according to this article um, that I read, it's been in place since 1954. That's a long, long time. 
basically 70 years, almost 70 years. So that threshold has been $600 that you have to send a contractor that's worked for you at this 1099. Well, they are wanting to push that to $5,000. And at first I'm thinking, why would they do that? That is so crazy because it feels to me like that's more of an administrative burden that they're trying to eliminate. How is that going to spur the economy? You know, I guess it would create fewer forms that the IRS has to process. I'm like, okay, but I don't know if they're really worried about that. Then there's other things that they should probably attack before 1099s. That didn't really make a lot of sense to me. And I thought, well, maybe they're trying to benefit the business owner to not have to send as many forms in. That also doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. Because again, there are a lot of forms that business owners have to send in annually for taxes. I mean, a ton of them. The administrative burden from a tax perspective and actually sending in various tax filings is kind of crazy. As I thought about this, I'm like, are they actually kind of creating a loophole here where if you make less than $5,000, they don't have a 1099 from you or from the person that paid you, then they have no report of it, which means you are, it's like the honor system, right? It's like scouts honor on you actually sending in that income on your tax return and putting it on your schedule C. Generally, it's going to be a schedule C. So these are going to be people that are like side gigs, right? Like side hustles. So I found that really interesting. I'm like, are you intentionally trying to do a little loophole? I mean, obviously it comes to taxes. The IRS is pretty clear that the onus is ultimately on you, even if you don't get a 1099 to include that on your return. I don't know. I mean, I guess we could throw theories around all day, but it was kind of fascinating to me. Okay, so on to the third thing. In line with the second, it it does have to do with that $600 policy, but this is tied back to PayPal and Venmo payments. So with the Biden administration, they changed the policy that required payments of $600 more on money transfer apps, i.e. PayPal and Venmo, to be reported to the IRS. And now they're actually reversing that in these proposed laws. Again, these are all proposed laws. They're reversing it to a cap of $20,000. Again, kind of interesting that they're actually increasing this, which are we trying to get people to not report this income? I don't know. Jury's still out on that. The fourth item in these tax packages that I thought was pretty interesting is that it's going to expand tax breaks for corporations investing in startups and extend some of the key policies in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Those were set to expire in 2025. I don't know which parts of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act they're wanting to extend. I've been kind of waiting to see what they were going to do on that because there are quite a few things in that Tax Cuts and Jobs Act Cuts and Jobs Act, (laughs) that if they sunset and they go away, it's going to impact a lot of people, not the least of which the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act actually reduced income tax rates. So the top tax rate was 39.6% prior to that tax policy that went through. It was a pretty significant tax policy, by the way, and it went down to 37% on the the top tax tier. Now, the all tax brackets were impacted. So it's not just, I mean, if you're subscribing to the mentality that if you're rich, you should pay a whole lot more tax. And, you know, you're more than welcome to that opinion, but everyone was impacted. So like everyone's taxes went down with that tax package. There's a lot of other things that went through as well, but that is probably one of the notable ones that most people would know about and recognize. And then lastly, it's going to kind of back to the electric vehicle credits. 
Um, so basically, it's wanting to roll back these credits that the Biden administration's Inflation Reduction Act put into place. So they're actually taking a look at this plan uh, next week on the Capitol Hill. Apparently, they're on break right now. And so the Ways and Means Committee is going to consider it and see what they think and go from there. So we'll see. Uh, none of this is in law. It's kind of interesting to consider what could happen again with the state of the economy and where we're at frankly something has to give uh, on some on some level but the um, the reality is is you know during covid we spent a lot of money as a nation uh, with ppp and uh, employee retention credit and all sorts of covid relief it was arguably a good thing definitely not going to get into that right now on whether or not that made sense the reality is is it happened and we spent a lot of money which then turned into the largest national debt that we've ever had. And so because of that, obviously we have a debt ceiling issue now and there's that's a whole other topic that they're going through and trying to figure out right now. But because of that, and then that kind of pushing interest rates, our economy is just struggling. I am not an economist by any stretch of the imagination. I did take economics in college <laughs> back in the day, but it's, you know, it's complex. This, these are not simple topics at all. Um, so I am definitely not trying to come here and say that I know everything about everything. I did want to go through some of these things because I thought they were interesting. And I think a lot of people don't realize some of these topics are being had and some of these laws are being discussed. And you may or may not know. And if you're a business owner, particularly one that manufactures or does some innovation, you might not know this is something that they're talking about repealing. Might even be possible that you didn't even know that it was impacting you so significantly that they were requiring it to be amortized over the course of years versus expense all in one year. I wanted to bring some of this cutting edge news to my audience because I thought it would be something that you'd be interested in. If you would love more of this type of content, be sure to send me an email. I love your feedback. If you've got questions, send those to me as well and I'll feature your question on a future episode. My email is in the show notes. So be sure to send me a note. And as always, if you love the podcast, leave me a review on whatever channel that you listen on. The reviews really, really, really help and they mean so much to me. It helps other people hear my podcast and it get out to new audiences, which is really what I want because I want more people to be financial literate. I don't think that finance should be so confusing. I don't think taxes should be so confusing. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. But if I can make your life a little bit easier because you're more knowledgeable, then that's what I'm here for. So with that said, I have had so much fun today going through this and I cannot wait until next time.